the episode of the Starbase Indie Podcast you're about to hear was recorded live at Starbase Indie 2022. Okay. Okay. So we're going to get started. So as most of you know, I usually start this out with the introduction. So I'm Todd Wiley. Um, I've been suffering with mental illness most of my life. Um, when I was younger, it took a very different perspective. When I was younger, I was the... I would feel bad, so I'm going to make everybody else feel bad with me. So I was a bully, and I beat people up. That went on through middle school. In a middle school, that all changed. Um, and I became the internal, you know, uh, now I'm inside myself type of uh, depression and all that. Um, so that's where I, where I come from, and I've been dealing with that my whole life. I'm a suicidal depressive. I've got social anxiety, anxiety. You name it, I've probably had it at one time or another. Um, except for a few, as we found out at the last panel. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, let you go ahead and introduce yourself, Marian. Sure, thank you. I'm Marianne Halbert. I'm the Criminal Justice Director at NAMI, Indiana. NAMI's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And at the state office, we train volunteer leaders at our affiliates across the state to offer support groups and educational classes uh, to help improve the lives of individuals and families impacted by mental illness. Um, as the criminal justice director, most of my work is focused on uh, training law enforcement to partner better with mental health providers and advocates and to learn more about mental illness and de-escalation techniques and diversion to resources to reduce the number of people with mental illness in jail. Um, my family has also experienced suicide losses, so uh, educating people about mental illness, making people, you know, helping people feel comfortable having those conversations is just really important to me. It's a personal passion of mine, so... I'm um, glad to be here and appreciate the invitation. Glad to have you. Okay, so we're going to do, so we do, I usually go next into some typical um, mental illness problems and definitions, and we discuss those. So we're going to start with depression. Um, Webster's defines depression as a serious medical condition in which a person feels very sad, hopeless, and unimportant, and often is unable to live in a normal way. Yeah, that's a very technical version of it. Um, but as we all know, that's not really a very descriptive term for all of us. So the clinical definition, also from Webster's, is a mood disorder that is marked by varying degrees of sadness, despair, and loneliness that is typically accompanied by inactivity, guilt, loss of concentration, social withdrawal, sleep disturbances, and sometimes suicidal tendencies. Um, and when you think about the reason we do those conventions, that can take a lot of different turns when we're at a convention. Um, whether that be somebody says something to you, you're off, and then now you feel hopeless, or you feel like you're, nobody wants you around, or whatever. Um, so that's always one of those things that I fight with a lot when I come to conventions, because I always have something that's happened where somebody says something, or I do something, and I feel like I'm just totally not supposed to be here, and nobody wants me here. Um, so that's depression. Anything to add? Um, the only thing I would add to that is um, if following this event today, if you want to learn more, the NAMI website, nami.org, does have um, a lot of description about all these different illnesses we're going to be talking about. And I would also just, I always want to remind folks when we have these conversations, because we'll hear a lot about symptoms and people often see then, you know, think, oh, I see myself in that. And any of us on any day can feel some of those things for a certain amount of time. It, all of these conditions um, are treatable and recovery is possible, but a lot of times it's, it's looking at how many of these symptoms do you have, how long are they ongoing, and are they 
impairing your ability to go about your day-to-day -day activities or your your normal functioning. So, but Very I appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Also, um, I forgot to do it at the beginning. I always like to say, I am not a doctor by any means, so do not take this as clinical advice. This is just the why I. <laughs> and as a lawyer in the room, I appreciate that disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to go on to anxiety, which Webster defines as apprehensive uneasiness or nervousness, usually over an impending or anticipated ill, a state of being anxious. Um, yeah. So uh, the medical definition for that one. An abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear, often by physical signs such as tension, sweating, increased pulse weight by rate by doubt concerning the reality and nature of a threat, or and self-doubt about one's capacity to cope with it. And this does it says threat, but I've always been one that threat is not necessarily a term that can be used. Because yes, sometimes a threat. Sometimes it's I'm going to fail. Um, that's been mine with this with this panel. Every time I do it. I, I'm going to fail. I'm going to look bad. I'm going to do something, say something wrong or whatever. Um, I've been, this year I've been really anxious about this panel. Um, so um, just remember that it does say threat, but threat is kind of a term that, loose term, and I don't like using it. Yeah, Anything else? What some more, more inclusive might be seeing the threats going up and going, what? Right. Right, because it's all that individualized experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I would just say, because anxiety is the most common mental illness, so many folks experience anxiety. I have a loved one with, who lives with anxiety. Um, I'm also, in addition to being a Star Trek fan, which is why I was super excited to be invited to this, um, I am a horror writer. I'm an author, and I have um, a few dozen short stories out in different anthologies and, and magazines, but I'd go to horror conventions and speculative fiction conventions, and I appreciated that when you're at a convention, it's like you're excited about the fandom, you're excited to be around your people who share um, a love and a passion for that create, you know, creative work. But it can be overwhelming. And I know so many of my friends, you know, we talk about that, like, I want to go, but I also have some social anxiety or I'm nervous about feeling overwhelmed or embarrassing myself. And so it's important to create those safe spaces and to give yourself some time to, like, you know, go, go off somewhere and kind of decompress for a little bit. So I'm glad that we're um, including that. And then, well. like, as you all know, we'll get to a lot of ways to cope with these things. Yeah. With a little bit, uh, just because there's all kinds of ways to do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, next we're going to do DID, Disassociative Identity Disorder. This is one that I say I've run the gambit. This is one I've never had to deal with. So you'll have to bear with me on this one. Um, so it is a personality disorder that is characterized by the presence of two or more distinct and complex identities or personality states each of which becomes dominant and controls behavior from the time to time to the exclusion of the others and results from disruption in the integrated functions or consciousness, memory, and identity. Um, so like I said, that one I've never really had to deal with personally. Um, I've had friends who've dealt with it. Um, I've been in a car ride with somebody who went through three or four different personalities at one time. That's always a, a scary, scary moment. Okay, next is another one that I, again, personally don't have a aspect with, but it's PTSD. Um, it's a psychological reaction occurring after experiencing a highly stressing event, such as wartime combat, physical violence, natural disaster, um, sexual assault, uh, which is one that's higher on Starbase Indies radar right now, that is usually categorized by depression, anxiety, flashbacks, recurrent nightmares, and avoidance of reminders of the event. 
Again, I don't personally have an aspect of this. Um, again, I've known a lot of people. My uncle, who actually committed suicide, had PTSD. Um, he was an Army vet. So this one, it's very hard to distinct into a con setting because you don't know what's going to... Nobody else knows what's going to trigger you. Um, but this is one that I know a lot of people have for various reasons. Um, well, it's childhood uh, trauma, um, abusive parents, um, rape, or anything like that. Um, so this one I just encourage people to talk about mm-hmm. a lot. You know, talk to people, get it out there. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And there's some really promising new treatments available for individuals impacted by PTSD. So definitely it, it is treatable and people have found a lot of good um, success in helping alleviate some of those more distressing symptoms. So like I said, talk about it. We don't need to hide these things if we're experiencing it. It's a lot, yeah, like I always say, it's a lot different than when I started having all these problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to get these out there. We need to talk about them. Um, borderline personality disorder. Borderline personality disorder is a mental illness that severely impacts a person's ability to regulate their emotions. The, this loss of emotional control can increase impulsivity, affect how a person feels about themselves, and negatively impact their relationships with others. Effective treatments are all available to manage the symptoms for borderline personality disorder. This is one where you get to a point where maybe you don't feel that emotion anymore. Um, like you know, love, like you can't feel love or you can't feel compassion or empathy. You don't have empathy for other people's thoughts um, and feelings. Um, I've had bouts of this. I don't wouldn't consider them diagnosed, but I've had problems where I just don't think about what any, anybody else feels. I just don't care. Uh, this is about me. Um, it's rare, but it does happen. That's my situation with that. Yeah, and with some of these illnesses, um, there's different types of treatment. Some are going to be more reliant probably on prescription medication to help what's happening in the brain. Sometimes with the personality disorders, but there's also therapies and things available. Um, But with this one, usually it is going to be more uh, focused on therapy to help individuals sort of improve their interpersonal relationships and realizing how their behavior is impacting people around them um, because it is more personality but it's, these are all complicated brain disorders. So, um, but yeah, that one usually does include some therapy. Social anxiety. A form of anxiety that is brought about by social situations, such as meeting strangers, dating, or public speaking, in which embarrassment or negative judgment by others may occur. Um, pretty self-explanatory on that one. Um, and that one's a social aspect. And that can be uh, not very typical there, the way it's described, but that can be also just an amount of people. Um, I've had a lot of anxiety breakdowns just because I've been surrounded by too many people. Um, so that social anxiety is a lot of social, um, doing panels like this is a big one that a lot of people have. I'm just going to new places, um, meeting new people, going to conventions as a whole, like we were talking about earlier. Um, all those things can lead to it and all those things can contribute to your social anxiety. So then we're going to move on to anxiety attacks. Um, and Webster's defines an anxiety attack as an episode of mild to severe worry, distress, or fear that may last for a few hours or days and is typically typically preceded by a period of gradually increasing levels of fear or worry um, and that has symptoms such as increased heart rate and shortness of breath, similar but often less intense than those associated with a panic attack. Um, so anxiety attacks, 
we do, I'm sure if you have anxiety of any type, you've probably had an anxiety attack of some sort. And it can be the littlest thing to the biggest thing. And it happens that it just triggers you. Um, again, I've had bouts where I've sat out at a convention and just sat in a corner at a, in a dealer hall because I walked the convention and just had too many people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had times where I've walked the dealer hall at Gen Con where I broke down right in the middle of the hall floor um, in tears just because of too many people. Um, so these can, again, affect a lot of our day-to-day basis. Yeah. And I would just say, because um, you're sharing some examples, and it, it reminds me, I was at a training recently where a mental health clinician was talking about the various types of anxiety disorders, because there are a lot of different types of anxiety disorders. And one of them that she was talking about was agoraphobia. And I read the definition, but I never thought of it this way before, because she said it's um, fear of either crowded or open spaces. And I never understood quite why that would be. But she said, you know, sometimes, like, if you are if you live in the city, sometimes people are afraid, like, to walk in the woods where, to me, that's so peaceful and calming to just be out by myself. Um, but then she said people who live in the country and are used to being by themselves, they don't like to be, you know, in a big city or in a big crowd. And so sometimes it's, you know, it's just our own individual um, comfort level and, and, you know, so it can impact different people differently in different circumstances. It, it often results in people staying at home because they're comfortable there because the part of the fear of the open spaces, you couldn't get help if you needed it. And part of the fear with the crowded spaces is you couldn't get out of there if you wanted to. And so often we do hear that people who experience that type of anxiety do just feel more comfortable staying at home because they know what to expect. It's predictable. They have more control over the environment. And um, so often that is a coping skill for them is that they stay home more. Yeah. Now keep in mind, and um, I have a friend who has agoraphobia. Mm-hmm. Um, Social anxiety and agoraphobia, two totally separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, agoraphobia is a lot more debilitating for a lot of people. Yeah, they're 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 both anxiety disorders, but they're different. T- yeah, there are a variety of different types of diet. Um, so then, panic attacks. Webster defines a panic attack as a brief episode of intense fear or dread that is of a sudden onset and typically subsides after thirty minutes usually occurs for no apparent reason, but may sometimes be associated with an identifiable triggering stimulus, and is accompanied by a sense of unreality and impending loss of control, and by various debilitating physical symptoms, such as, again, increased heart rate, chest pain, dizziness, and shortness of breath. Mm-hmm. Um, these, like it says, very short, usually. Um, there, I do know people who've had a lot longer ones, but again, usually short, but very, very intense. Um, and those are like I said, the ones like I've had anxieties where I'm on the ground crying. Um, I've had a panic attack where I'm on the ground crying, but I don't want anybody around me. Um, lately, since for the past year, I've been having a lot of them where I don't know what causes it. Um, but I go into a seizure type physical manifestation um, and I can't speak. Every time I try to speak, it comes out as like a garble or a growl. Um, and then usually about 30 minutes to an hour, give or take. But uh, very deep, very deep. So those are what you need to look for. The differences are, you know, the, the severeness of the attack. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and some people, when they're experiencing a panic attack, it feels like a heart attack. Because a lot of mental illnesses, when you're really having a crisis and, and that exacerbation of symptoms, can have physical manifestations in our body. Because, you know, headaches, stomach problems, other things. But with the panic attack, it often does have, you know, the impact where the person could be sweating, they could have chest pain, trouble breathing. Um, and so the mental health experts that I've heard consistently say, if you're not sure what it is, go, you know, go to the ER, get them to the hospital, let let the medical experts um, make sure, because sometimes it's just really hard to distinguish the two. It can be very scary. Yes. Speaking of. There you go. Nervous right. breakdown. He's got, he's got it. A nervous breakdown is defined as an attack of a mental or emotional disorder, especially when of sufficient severity to require hospitalization. That's the separate thing. It's one that has been severe enough that they're not coming out of it. Um, and then it requires, again, hospitalization usually. Um, and that can take be anywhere from you know an ER visit where they get you regulated to a week in the hospital where they try to get you regulated. Um, but yeah, that's the difference. A nervous breakdown is an acute anxiety attack that disrupts your everyday life. Nervous breakdowns is a type of anxiety disorder that is caused by an extreme or sudden incident. It can also happen because of a prolonged stress. People who experience nervous breakdown feel like they are losing control of their feelings. Um, this really feeling results in increased nervousness, stress, anxiety, worry, fear. That encompasses a lot of what we go through. Um, and that's unfortunately something we have to deal with with having these problems. <laughs> so that brings us to how do we cope, um, mm -hmm. the, how we cope, and do, I, again, I typically do this in the form of at a convention because that's why I do the panel. Mm -hmm. um, quiet rooms. Quiet, quiet rooms have become immensely, immensely powerful and needed. Um, I don't know if we have one this year. I think I saw one on the map. I, I think there is, the there was oh, one okay. on the map. Okay. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, quiet rooms are great. You go in there just to get away from everybody, mm -hmm. de-stress, calm down. It was wonderful when the strength of Gen Con was great. Good. I remember going, quiet room? Where? <laughs> That's I good to hear. I remember the first year we had a quiet room at Gen Con. <laughs> oh, good. I use it quite frequently. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, I say, this could also include if you have a hotel room at a convention, mm -hmm. you go up to your hotel yeah. room. Um, if you have your car at the convention, go sit in your car for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Anything to get away from the stress of too many people. Right. It's like stimulation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Headphones. Uh, headphones are great. I don't mean little ear pods that nobody sees. I don't mean little ear pods that have little cords on. No, because nobody sees those. Those don't do you any good. I'm talking about the big cans that go over your ears, over your head, that everybody can see. Um, for multiple reasons. One is obviously if you want to play music to get that out of the way. Um, two is it can limit the amount of sound that comes in. But for me and for a lot of people, the biggest thing is it deters people from coming up to you mm -hmm. because they say, oh, he's wanting to be alone. He's gonna... That doesn't always work, but it's one that does help a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think that that's a good point. It sends that visual message like I'm just kind of in my own little, you know, I want to be in my own thoughts and not interact with other folks and and that um, just having that little barrier I think can be helpful. Books. Books are another one. Have a book out. Be look, even if you're not reading it, look like you're reading it. Yeah. Because again, it's a determinant. 
It's true. Um, and then for a lot of us, it's again another one where if we're reading, mm-hmm. everything else is gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's another deterrent method. Notebooks, again, same thing. Mm-hmm. Have a notebook out, look like you're writing. People tend to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it doesn't always happen, but they tend to leave you alone. And again, this is another one where you can. Yeah. That is the bonus of at conventions. These tend to work a lot better than when you're out in public. Right. Um, I'm volunteering. And a lot of people see this as really volunteer. Let me explain. This is one of the reasons I volunteer. Number one, you have a set of things you're doing. You know what you're doing, when you're doing it, what you need to do. You know where you need to be, all of that stuff. Number two, you can put yourself into a volunteer situation where you're not interacting with people very much. Or to where there's a barrier. Like if you're sitting at a table, like an information table, you have a table in front of you. Um, same thing if you're working at a panel, uh, booth at a con, you have a table there, you have a barrier. Those type of things help immensely. Um, I will I say all the time when I'm at Gen Con working a booth, because that's what I do at Gen Con, even if, no matter what, being behind that table, so much less stress. And so that brings us to available resources. The first one on my list is NAMI. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll let you take over. Yeah, here. sure. So um, like I said earlier, NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It's an organization that was originally created from some parents who'd gotten together um, who all had adult children uh, who were impacted by schizophrenia, and they were very frustrated feeling like their loved one um, loved ones were not really getting treated fairly by um, lack of resources and the, and the way society uh, responds to people impacted by mental illness. And it's grown so much over the years. So really, our membership consists very largely of people living with mental health conditions as well as family members. So it's a really uh, strong blend of people from both perspectives. And from the national organization, um, they create a lot of programs that we're then able to replicate here for our local communities. And they also are involved heavily in policy and things like that to help improve access to mental health resources and treatment and recovery. Um, and again, at the state level, we train our volunteer leaders because most of our affiliates are operated by volunteers. So people who care about this and want to you know, offer a support group. So we train them how to do that, that kind of thing. Um, so if you're interested just in mental illness in general or mental health policy, I would suggest go to the NAMI national website, that NAMI.org. But if you really want to know, you know, is there a NAMI affiliate in my community? Or if there isn't one, how could we get one going here in Indiana? Um, then you can go to our NAMI Indiana website and learn more um, about that. Next, we have the National Institute of Mental Illness, um, NIMAH. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a federal agency um, for research for mental disorders. Yes. Yeah, they're the re- yeah. I would say they they really are known as like the research arm of that. Yeah. Um, MHA, the Mental Health America, which is a leading community-based nonprofit dedicated to addressing the needs of those living with mental illness and promoting overall mental health. Mm-hmm. And in Indiana, um, a lot of folks get NAMI Indiana and Mental Health America of Indiana confused. Um, we do we're separate organizations, separate nonprofit nonprofits, but we have a lot of overlap in terms of our uh, mission. So we do a lot of work. We're on a lot of the same committees and panels. It's another really good uh, mental health advocacy organization. Um, mental health first aid. Mm-hmm. Mental health 
first aid is a one-day training. Um, so, and that's really geared toward just the average citizen who wants to know more about mental illness so that they better understand it and, and better understand how to respond to someone that they may know or encounter who's experiencing it. So it's just kind of like a mental illness 101 to learn more for the average citizen. Um, 988 Suicide and Prevention Lifeline. Yeah, so most of you are probably, if you're on social media, you're probably familiar with the little meme that has gone around for years for the National Suicide uh, Prevention Lifeline. It's like a green and white um, logo, and it had a 10-digit 800 number. Well, on July 16th, nationwide, we launched 988. So you can still call that same 10-digit number and reach a trained crisis specialist, but now you can reach it even easier by um, calling, texting, um, or chatting 988 where you'll reach those same trained crisis specialists. And they've also expanded it. So now it is still for suicidal crisis, but it's also for mental health crisis, substance use disorder crisis, or just um, emotional distress. So if you're experiencing emotional distress or you know someone is, then you can call 988 and talk to someone 24-7. So it's a great resource. Um, NAMI Indiana is on the committee for the state um, with other, a lot of other partners who are rolling that out. And we're excited that it'll take several years to do this, but in the coming years, we will have more than just the crisis line. We're gonna have more mobile crisis teams that are um, clinician-led and peer support-led as opposed to law enforcement-led. Um, and so we're excited about that. And, and um, we'll have more mental health receiving centers, so you'll have options other than just an emergency room. But the state Division of Mental Health and Addiction is talking about that as like a seven to 10-year plan because there's legislation that would have to happen, funding, and then actually um, building that system. But that is what we're moving towards. So we're excited about the rollout of 988. QPR? QPR stands for Question, Persuade, Refer. It's a suicide prevention training. I'm a QPR instructor. I think it's a great training for just, again, the average citizen who wants to un better understand how they can prevent suicide. If they're talking to someone who they may be concerned about is thinking about suicide or contemplating suicide, it teaches you how to recognize the warning signs, how to ask the question, um, because that's an important part of uh, suicide intervention is actually ask the person if they're thinking about suicide and then how to uh, persuade them you know, to change that plan and to uh, let you help them get connected with resources. So if anybody's interested in QPR, just let me know and I'd be happy to help set you up with a training. That's usually, we usually present that as like a two hour training so it's pretty easy to deliver. Uh, different podcasts, um, the one I always highlight is Maya Bialik's Breakdown. Um, I've been listening to that since it started. It's one of my favorite mental health podcasts because she's got the clinical background for it, but she breaks it down in terms that everyday people can understand. Good. And she has a lot of celebrities that come on and talk about their various mental illnesses. Let's talk about mental health. Um, it is a weekly podcast and blog done by an Australian author named Jeremy Goldwyn. I just started listening to this one within the past six months. It's another one. Um, he looks at it as from an AD, everyday perspective a lot more than, you know, as a clinical thing. Um, it's another good one to listen to. Um, the Mental Illness Happy Hour with Paul Joe Martin. I remember that this one actually just got canceled recently, so, but it's, but all the episodes are out there. Um, and if you don't know who Mo, Paul Joe Martin is, he's a comedian. A very funny comedian, and he talks about it 
mental illness from that perspective, from a comedian standpoint. So it's funny, but it's educational. Um, the Dark Place um, is another one that everyday people, so people like you and me, can, ex you know, they talk about their everyday experiences and what how they go with it. Um, and then I think that's all of them. Yep. And then Q and A time. Yeah. So now, open your questions, questions, comments, what you do with, uh, how you deal with stuff, if you have anything different than what I did. Already. And then I like to go to the where to find us. Um, you can find me. Um, you can email me for any, you know, if you want help, if you just need to talk to somebody, at todd.wileyatmyself.com. Hit me up on Facebook, Instagram at K-A-U-D-R-I-M. I'm also Twitter. Um, and then TikTok is John Doe 294 This is a Batman reference if you don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, and NAMI Indiana, um, you can find us at namiindiana.org. I do have an exhibitor booth at the way back of the exhibitor room. Um, so just if you want to head back there, um, I've left some brochures and our helpline cards on there. So we do operate a helpline um, that's open Monday through Friday. It's not a crisis line. It's just a helpline. So Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, if you want to um, have help identifying resources or getting information. And... Um, we also have a Facebook and Twitter and I think an Instagram account. But I know we have a Facebook and Twitter and it's just at NAMI Indiana. Uh, so if you're interested in finding us there. Um, and then I like to always close out my convention panels. If you're having a problem while you're at the convention, if for whatever you're having a breakdown, you're having a panic attack, you're having a, whatever, or you just need you know somebody to talk to, mm -hmm. Find me. I'm easy to find. I'm usually anywhere. Or you can ask anybody, usually a convention worker, where Batman is, and they will be able to tell you where I'm at. Um, and I will be there. Uh, I'm always consider myself. I'm a beacon. I want to be there for that type of stuff um, because I go through the same thing. Yeah, and and I appreciate that. And I think it is important to to share that. And and I think folks who make that offer are always like me like the convention heroes because you do need to have people that you know are going to be safe place to go if you just need to talk then even just sit quietly together you know maybe with your head earphones on um so i appreciate you offering that i won't be here the whole time but if i am here anybody's always welcome to to come up to me i'm happy to talk to anybody all right i think that's going to be the end of the panel for today Thanks for listening to the Starbase Indie Podcast. For more information about our organization and our upcoming events, check us out at starbaseindie.org. See you on the Starbase.